Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. Right. Welcome back to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. How is it going, Eva? Uh, great. I changed my setup, so I am not hunching over the computer or the microphone. And now I'm actually on the same level. I am sitting on a poof. Do you, you know what a poof is, right? Everyone knows what a poof is? I think so. Kind of like a stool that is like poofy, I guess. Right? <laughs> it's like a round thing that you can just point around and, and, and then put your feet on. We just yeah. bought it and it's the best thing. <laughs> nice. Is it still in the closet though? I am still in the closet. Okay. So <laughs> the oxygen level is still low. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. But yeah, it's a very special day today. We have uh, today off for great reason, great cause. And so yeah, how, how are you doing? Doing really well. Like Eva said, we have the day off. So this this episode probably won't, uh, you probably won't be listening to it on Juneteenth, but we are recording it on Juneteenth. And it seems like a lot of companies are beginning to celebrate that. I've gotten a couple emails about it from, from different organizations saying that they are taking the day off. So thanks for informing me, different companies that <laughs> <laughs> you are also taking the day off, but yeah, that's it's cool. We're starting to see that more often and and more widespread on our company as well. So, and we decided to to do a podcast today. <laughs> I mean, really can't find time during the week this past week. Yeah. So like, yeah, this is better. And I don't know. Again, very grateful that we we still have jobs and very busy. So, during this crazy crazy year. Yes. Oh yeah. Speaking of which, crazy year. Have we heard about the killer bees or hornets lately? No, no. I think they just got overshadowed by everything else. So, you know, they kind of came into the picture and then things just went totally sideways. So, yeah, murder wasps. You did not do a good enough job at keeping attention. (laughs) (laughs) I... I mean, yes, what uh, what we're you're saying right now definitely is more important uh, than, I guess, me asking about killer bees. So I do apologize for that. But uh, I'm going to say it now. Black, Black Lives Matter. And <laughs> <laughs> this is very, very important compared to killer bees. And But I do want to keep this somewhat lighthearted before we dive into the very serious um, product topics to you. And want to ask you if you heard about the killer mosquitoes. Jeez, Did are there killer that? mosquitoes? No. Uh, I guess they're not killer. Well, no, they do kill. They spread diseases. And they're saying, uh, by they, I mean a Medium article that I've read. Uh, read and also, I almost said I have written. I did not write that. <laughs> but they're, they're saying in the Southwest, there is diseases uh, spread by mosquitoes that are rising. Uh, and, and that could be also another big deal towards the uh, later into the summer as we get more and more mosquitoes. So I don't know how... Yeah, we're going to get out of this. Yeah, mosquitoes are pretty much the absolute worst. And I think they're like one of the worst. I think they are the worst disease spreaders and like one of the most deadly insects. And I go periodically just want to go completely nuclear on mosquitoes. (laughs) And 
feel like we should just completely eradicate them. But of course, the second and third order effects of that, I don't know that we even understand. So like that always makes me hesitate because I'm just like, part of me is like, just wipe them out, just be done with them. But then it's like, well, what does that do? You don't... Something will happen. Yeah, you don't know. And then, yeah, that just... It feels dangerous to go down that path. dying, right? Like frogs will start dying and lizards or whoever eats them. And yeah. And yeah. Thing, you know, we don't have potatoes or something. Yeah, exactly. Something crazy <laughs> happens. Like we just, we probably, that's probably one of those things that we just absolutely yes. shoot ourselves in the foot if we do. That is true. And I wonder what has we done in the past, however many years we have been on earth to, you know, <laughs> have things taken away in the background that we just don't know. Wow, this is really blowing out my brains right now. It's just like, what what happened? <laughs> well, yeah, yep. but, but I, I agree with you. Uh, mosquitoes, the probably absolute worst. I, I mean, I grew up in Hong Kong, so like very humid. Mosquito is probably the only one thing that would stop me from going outside. Yeah, now I really miss that because I could have been outside in Hong Kong for many more hours than, than I have done. And now that we're all stuck at home, <laughs> really... It feels a big loss, like feels like a big loss. We don't have a lot of mosquitoes in Utah, though. We do out west. So if you miss the mosquitoes, you can come out to Farmington. We've got plenty. (laughs) You do? Yes. So many mosquitoes. Yeah. Do you guys have water around? Yes. Yep. Oh, boy. Nope. See, we're in the desert here near downtown, so. Yeah, it can get pretty bad. They actually do a pretty good job at like mosquito abatement but it can get pretty it can get pretty ugly at times out here because we live close to some wetlands type area bird refuge where a lot of birds migrate through every year so i see it's very cool but it can get kind of mosquito yeah and also as i said like oh it's like desert near downtown i'm like yeah we're like a whole hour away it's really not that far from any no water water reservoir resource <laughs> and if anyone's wondering like nothing can live in the great salt lake like it is too salty and nasty i do not believe that mosquitoes live there but i do think that it might be some on the antelope island area i'm not sure definitely in like the wetland areas surrounding the great salt lake for sure i'm ashamed to say i have not been to antelope island i live in utah for 10 years so you should definitely get out there See, see the bison and the historical ranch and whatnot. I grew up going to Antelope Island, so all the time. And that is your very important lesson of Utah geography and <laughs> wildlife lesson today. So yeah, yeah. Let's dive into it. All right. What are we talking about today? Today we have a very very exciting topic, like Eva alluded to, which is inclusivity in product design and product development, which is very, very topical, very relevant, and always, regardless of the time and timing, uh, extremely, extremely important. With that, uh, we want to kind of dive into what it is, why it's important, and set up a little bit of framework around some of this discussion, which is as we were, we were kind of talking a little bit about it before we started, can be a very, very broad, broad topic. So to kick it off, maybe we can talk a little bit about what is inclusivity in product design and product development. So 
what do you think, Eva, like maybe you can help us define like what is inclusivity? Yeah. So let's talk about what it is. And the first thing I want to put out there is that we always talk about uh, this happens in conversations. And um, I'm sure you have heard of like, oh, a typical user would do this or average user would do this. Right. In the topic of inclusive design is that there is not a typical user because when you're sitting in your office designing, you know, planning a roadmap and stuff, it's really hard to, you know, think about, oh, okay, there's actually 20 billion people that can be all different, even within different, like there's so many aspects that we will be touching on later. So first of all, just keep in mind that there's not a group of users that is typical, right? There might be a majority of users that fit in the one category of, of however you define that, but there's never really one one user that will represent your true typical user and that also is why when we do any sort of persona or anything you never just use one person at least i don't think you should just use one person there should be a consideration of really who is in in that demographic but back to talking about what is inclusivity in design is that in short is that keeping all people in mind uh, regardless of their race skin color or social economical uh, background regional uh, influence uh, or their cultural background it really is all people and 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 there could probably be a long list of how you know these different elements affect how one person you know uh, behave or how how they use a product right so that is in short what i define in, uh, inclusivity. Nice. So yeah. Does that hit on everything you're thinking, Kyle? I, I think so. Almost in its very name and very nature, like inclusivity is like to include or to mm-hmm. like to bring in. And the opposite of that is to like exclude or to keep out. And yes. so when I think about what is inclusivity, it's how do we bring people in or include them in our product design or our product development or our product ultimately. And I think that's really what all of us want, whether you know we're explicit about it or just implicit about it. And what we don't want, at least most of us, I think, is to exclude anybody from our products, from our design process, from our development process, or ultimately from being able to use our product. Because you know, that's a bad business decision, a bad experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oftentimes we, you know, we may make those trade-offs or make those decisions without necessarily realizing it or thinking about it. So part of it is where are we potentially excluding people from our products? And it's obviously such an important thing to be thinking about because if I'm making something that I want people to be using, I don't want anybody to be kind of outside of that, you know, that product or that experience because, you know, that's a user who will either have a very difficult time and have a bad experience, which, you know, reflects poorly on my product, poorly on my company, poorly on me as, you know, a product manager, product designer, and in general on, on what we've done. And it also ultimately, you know, if we're thinking about it in, in purely business terms, just doesn't make very good business sense that you know for for right. creating something that we want people to use or buy and they're not not able to use it or buy it that really yeah. isn't ultimately what we want either so right. how can we ensure that we're not excluding people that we're totally. bringing people into both the process as we create it and then making sure that in the end everybody's able to be included in like the product or right. the experience that we've done 
and created. Totally. And I do think that we all have a responsibility in that process to call out anything like, oh, this might not be inclusive to a certain group of people or however we can solve that problem. But those need to be said out out loud sometimes and it can be uncomfortable. And on that note, too, I do want to put out this fine print (laughs) is that by no means are we the expert on, you know, the overall like the social study of inclusivity in in society. But um, we are two people learning and there will be mistakes made on the way. And if there's anything in this episode that, you know, doesn't sound right or however we are approaching this topic that uh, needs some, I don't don't know, (laughs) uh, additional uh, knowledge into, like, let us know, tweet at us. um, But don't don't fight with us. (laughs) Just trying to uh, really dive into this topic and and for me I am a person of color but I'm still learning what it's like for other people and also for yeah there just can be so many different lives that I don't know so I'm still learning and I can only share what you know uh, my personal experience is like and what I have learned so yeah don't fight me (laughs) yeah and I'd echo what Eva said and appreciate that that we're sharing our experiences and hopefully they're useful for other people but by no means are we experts in all things and we'll probably even be sharing some mistakes that we've made like along the way some blind spots that we've encountered and things that we haven't even considered (laughs) so uh, hopefully we're, we can all learn as we go along. We're, we're excited to be adding our voices to the conversation of inclusivity and diversity in product development. And we think it's such an important topic, both in general for creating inclusive products, as well as just given everything that's going on right now. So mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, we, we can continue to yeah. help drive the conversation forward but again, we don't want to claim to be experts or, you know, right. the, the final voice of, of anything, but just want to add our voices to, you know, to the ongoing conversation. Yeah. I like how uh, you describe it as uh, blind spots. Cause that's exactly, yeah. Things that I just don't know. And, and we're, we're open to comments and anything that you want to share with us and i also want to bring up that like uh we have a lot of listeners uh, by a lot i mean within <laughs> the small group that we have <laughs> we have quite a bit of pe- people i'm hoping they're people not bots <laughs> they're listening from outside of the united states and 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 we are in united states and and yeah that's also another aspect too is that we're talking about how we operate in the states so let us know if it's different in in you know wherever you are so yeah, just want to open that up. I guess after that, now now I feel, yeah, we're, we're ready to go full speed into this. So yeah, and next thing I do want to talk about is that what is the difference between uh, inclusive design and also accessible design? So those are two definitely very big topics. I, I do feel like one once you bring up inclusion or accessibility and the, the other one kind of like follow and it's uh, very much in the same vein of like, how do we help people to, you know, get into our product without uh, any hurdles or difficulties, right? So yeah, Kyle, like, how do you see those being different uh, from your perspective? Yeah. So given kind of what I was talking about before, and I won't, I won't put myself out as like the final expert on this, but the kind of the way that I think about it is if I was to kind of put up a framework for like inclusivity, if it was going to kind of be the idea of bringing everybody into our product, both as far as like the process and then the the ultimate experience once we're done, then, you know, I would kind of have it be like this overarching umbrella. 
where the idea that you know it, it encompasses multiple facets of uh, the design and the product development process. And that would include uh, things like uh, race and background and culture and language, uh, things like uh, education and technical ability, things like life stage and, and lifestyle, regional differences, uh, socioeconomic uh, differences, and then accessibility. So, you know, accessibility being part of this overarching idea of inclusivity and inclusion in product development. So that, that's kind of the thinking that I have behind it, like accessibility being a really a critical part of this overarching idea of creating an inclusive product, meaning that we don't exclude anybody who has physical or other disabilities, mm-hmm. which is going to be a topic that I'm excited for us to dive into deeper because I think it's a really great topic, you know, given some of the experience that I've had uh, both personally and then helping to develop products Mm -hmm. in that way. But making sure that we're not excluding anybody with physical limitations. And it's interesting because this will be something I think we dive into. Yeah, That's a far reaching group of people. And so making sure that everything we do is accessible, both digitally and physically, um, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, that's important. Cause if we don't think about that, we exclude a, a huge group yep. uh, of people in, in what we're doing. So I think it's one part of inclusive design and inclusive product development among a few other uh, really important parts of mm-hmm. inclusive product development. Uh, that include things that, again, if we're not thinking actively about them, I think by almost by default, we will gravitate towards maybe some of our own biases or our own experience and kind of create products and experiences that are more in line with our own backgrounds and our own, again, our own experiences yeah. and will be somewhat exclusive to certain groups, whether that's uh, certain backgrounds or cultures or races, certain technical abilities, certain socioeconomic groups or regional groups. Not that we're trying to explicitly do that, but just by our nature, you know, we have our own set of assumptions and implicit biases that if we're not careful and we're not actively trying to kind of expand our view and in our understanding mm-hmm. that those kind of get baked into what we're doing. And that can be especially difficult if, you know, the, the team that we're yeah. developing with is somewhat homogenous in some way. And that's not mm-hmm. to say that it's, you know, completely racially homogenous group, which could happen, but it might be right. like a completely homogenous group in some other way, like yeah. a regionally homogenous group or, or yes. a, yes a life stage homogenous group, which I've worked in (laughs) or an educationally homogenous group, which also worked in like, those are all different types of inclusive groups that if we're not thinking about like the the end product that we design might be somewhat exclusive to people who don't have the same educational background or same socioeconomic status or same racial background. So those are that's kind of a long-winded answer, Amen. but yes, that's that's kind of the the framework that I yes. think about it in. 
Yeah, I love that you bring up all these very invisible differences between people, like all these things that really, because <laughs> now we talk about skin color and talk about, you know, by race, how do we include everybody? But then there's also a huge chunk of people that are separated by all the things that you mentioned. And there's so many examples I want to bring up right now. Um, I would bring up one too, is that before the show, we were talking, talking about this and how we want to approach this topic too. And and we brought up this example of when you're designing an app, like, is that going to solve, a, solve the problem for someone who does not have access to a smartphone? Or, you know, how does one buy a bus pass? If the only one way to do so is to, you know, get on an app and do that. It's so easy. It doesn't matter how easy you make your app work. That person doesn't have a phone. He has $2 or she has $2. Like, how is this person going to, do this right and so yeah i love that you bring up all these differences too and and harmon homogenous in different ways i really love that and uh those are very important aspects uh, to keep in mind when we talk about the topic of inclusive design too and i think yeah the phone example is probably more severe than what we would like to you know think it's actually happening and I cannot remember the statistics on this, but in the U.S., there's actually still a pretty large population that don't have access to Internet and they go to libraries. And, and that's one place that, you know, everyone can get on the Internet. And there is a reason why if you do go into the library, you still see people using the Internet there is because that is one place for free. You can get on the Internet. It is. And yeah. I've yeah. So we've had experience and that's one that. I'll echo. So I used to work at uh, an online university and and some of my, I'll bring up like multiple experiences as we kind of dive mm. into this topic. We had a lot of students who would go to libraries to use yes. the internet for that exact reason, because they lived in rural places without good Wi-Fi or good internet access yes. and had to go uh, use the internet at libraries. And that's just something that you don't consider unless you're you're creating products for users who have to do that sort of thing. Like that's, you know, you, yeah. you, you don't think about that, you know, sitting in, you know, kind of your nice office with your, exactly. your always connected Wi-Fi that, hey, there are business Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. That there are lots of places and lots of people who don't have access to good internet still and that they're your group of people that there's a huge chunk of them who are your users now that you need to be thinking about. Here's another interesting one. You wouldn't have guessed. There are a lot of people who are still using old versions of Internet Explorer. We had to take into consideration yep. this same group. Now, whether that's because they were using computers that, at uh, the library mm -hmm. uh, whether they just weren't updating you know, their computers or, or for whatever reason, but that was something that we had to take into consideration, too, because, the, you know, we had to make sure that our, you know, a lot of the things that we were doing worked on old versions of Internet Explorer, even though that we didn't officially support it. That's right. what people were using. And so yeah. understanding that that's, you know, what our users were doing, even though yes. we, we didn't like it you know, nobody, nobody should be using old versions of Internet Explorer. Like if you're doing that, please stop. <laughs> Just don't do it. But that's what people if are doing. You can, if you have the means to. Yeah. <laughs> and and for, for a whole variety of different reasons. And we, you know, we set out to understand like, why are people doing this? And so, and there's, there's a whole bunch of different reasons why people do it. Mm -hmm. 
but just knowing that, hey, you know, that's not something that I would ever do. Like I, yes. I wouldn't ever use Internet Explorer really for one. And that's yeah. in a technical group of people. Like we kind of laugh and mock Internet Explorer like it's a meme to us. But <laughs> yes. for a lot of people, like that's the old computer that they use and, and buy. It's the Internet browser that it comes with. And, you know, why do I need another internet browser? Like that's the one it has. Why would I want to update it? It works just fine. It might be slow or it might have lots of pop-up ads, but like those are the types of things that like, you know, we as young tech savvy people that we, we kind of make fun of, but there's lots of people who that's what they use. Yeah. And like talking about this, like technical proficiency of like, people just maybe don't know how to update it and then uh so there are a lot of elements that play into this right and then i love that you said like us you know with tech tech jobs like we are very fortunate to have access to all these things to help us to be very proficient at you know using a computer those are not things that all people share and i want to flip this to you know the other side of this too is that uh, generally, this is something that we're definitely lacking as a society of like, oh, in, in making products and making, you know, social structure and all types of, you know, things that all people should be able to enjoy. Right. We are still, uh, I would say, behind in making sure that everything is inclusive and accessible. Right. And if you are able to make your product inclusive and keep those people in mind, you will shine in that community. And then and I've seen on subreddit, you know, people mentioning like, oh, hey, if you fits these certain, you know, criteria, go use this thing because it's been really helpful because they have done this, you know, feature to accommodate people of this group. And it's very, very nice to have. And that's something that you should be really proud of if you, you know, make a product that is, you know, very, very successful in in serving certain communities. And um, that's something that I would say it's not easy. This is something that takes a lot of conversation and convincing <laughs> other people sometimes of like why this is important, especially in business meetings. We all have to go to those. And it's very hard to make a case of like, oh, inclusive design is important because right off the bat, I do think that sometimes it sounds more like, oh, it feels good. It looks nice. It's, you know, a PR thing to do, but it's not. It literally is a, a group of users that will end up buying your service if you do include them, right? Um, so do <laughs> I think this is also very important to keep in mind is that there is business elements to it. And that is important to I hate talking about money, but sometimes when we want to make things happen, making it happen within the meetings that we go to is also very important. <laughs> so, yeah. And and going back to that, too, uh, of, of inclusive design versus uh, accessible design, what the difference is. I know that traditionally we talk about accessible design in terms of like disabilities. And for example, it's like color blindness or um, anyone who might not be able to uh, hear or see or, you know, whatever um, conditions that they might have or challenges. And I do think that uh, just kind of following the, the issue of someone not having access to the internet in 2020, I would say it's not a physical disability, but it is definitely an issue to uh, stop a person from accessing the internet, accessing any content, consuming anything, right? So I, I personally think that is also important to keep that in mind when you talk about, you know, the topic of, you know, accessibility and it definitely overlap with inclusivity also. Um, I think that's, it's a really good point. I also want to bring up some on the ground examples, and this is maybe more personal to me, but I think a lot of um, 
person of color or people not from you know the state, but then using technology or products that are built uh, uh, in the states. My experience. Um, are you ready for this? <laughs> this is oh yeah. Fun one. I also would say too is that I personally have kind of learned how to get around or just how to tell other people why this is an issue or why this is happening. So do not panic, you know, <laughs> right. So my real name is not Eva, right? I was born in Hong Kong. So that didn't come on the birth certificate. Okay. So doesn't matter what bank you go apply for a credit card. Uh, it comes out whatever way they want to put your name down. My first name has two words and that is not common. That is not something that at least Wells Fargo can accommodate. <laughs> and they always turn the second word of my first name into like a middle initial, which, okay, like I don't have a middle name. And every time when someone check your driver's license and it's surprisingly the DMV can accommodate that, <laughs> which I'm glad, I'm glad. So every time when they check, you know, your license against your uh, credit card, I always have to tell them, well, it's me. I mean, not always. I don't always have to tell them. But when they start to take too long of a look, I'm like, Wells Fargo just don't change the name. And especially in Utah, when you go into bars and stuff, 100%, you will have to show your ID. Yeah, I don't know about the rest of this, this other states, but we don't have to do that in Hong Kong. Like, it's very obvious that I'm not under 21. And anyways, that's a separate interesting phenomenon that happens here um but yeah the name like being that's something that is so fundamental that is how you identify as a person like Wells Fargo come on <laughs> give me a credit card that has my right name on it uh, and and sometimes online forms especially important documents you want to make sure your name matches I am one of those people that get really paranoid the second they cannot put my name right because what if I cannot come back into the country or whatever reason that is, right? So yeah, that is a problem that uh, I can only imagine. Like my Thai friend has, I don't know, 20 characters in her first name. Like that is common. Please make sure your web form can accommodate for names of, you know, different uh, origins because it does happen. And different like, uh, what are those called? The little accents on top of the E and those sometimes people consider that as special characters, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's one example that I probably encounter uh, not every day, but very often, I do not have a middle name. So <laughs> giving me a middle name. It's such a perfect example because it, I think, it touches so well on the idea of inclusivity, and that if if we're not thinking outside of the group that we're most accustomed to, then how is this going to impact other other groups of people? Like totally. That there's, you know, the standard white American names that are easy to accommodate yeah. because we've always done it. What about everybody else that is exactly. is here? And that's a large group of people that has uh, lots of different naming conventions, like you were mentioning, yep. whether that's, you know, having space in their first name or two first names or having what what we call special mm -hmm. characters in you know in their first name <laughs> yep. or last name or just we're probably even missing some you know just different yep. types of naming conventions like product manager you failed at you know figuring out just like the naming conventions that might need to be taken into account in order to ensure that like we can have everybody just put their name into the name field and get that printed onto a credit card. That feels like a very basic thing, 
But if if we're not thinking outside of who else might need to put their name rather than just like the people that I immediately that immediately come to mind, then, you know, that's that's kind of the the problem like that kind of the homogenous group that is kind of in the immediate circle that we're thinking of. You brought up this space in the first name too, because that's definitely a problem. And I always have to smash my two like words <laughs> in my first name together. And I'm like, <sighs> or hyphenated. Like if, if I bet there are people who have that same problem, if they have like yeah. some sort of hyphenated name, like that would probably be an issue. Yeah. I, that's probably more common, but I, I, yeah, I wouldn't doubt that this is still not allowed in certain yeah. platform and stuff. Um, travel bank was the one that wouldn't let me do a space. <laughs> But then it sounded like I, I I definitely like talked to the customer support because I, I want to be able to get on a plane. I want my ID to match. Yep. And they're yep. like, oh, well, uh, the airline didn't allow this. So I'm like, oh, it's not you guys. It's the airline. <laughs> and then <laughs> as you can imagine, they built their database and, and all the APIs and stuff like, uh, I don't know, 100 years ago. Um, so it's different times and just problems everywhere. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, thanks for agreeing that this is a problem this yep. is painful <laughs> but yeah I, i'm also interested in hearing like dear all listeners like what other issues do you run into it can be very very small like what i just well small but very fundamental right things like names and just whatever things that you run into that is just not user-friendly or uh friendly is kind of understatement i feel like i want to know we want to hear yeah. And some some important statistics I want to share too. This is like level one uh, statistics. So like 2019 Census Bureau, they put out a report by by race. Uh, the population makeup in the state is at 60% white, white American. Okay. And then 13.5% uh, African-American, 1.3% Native American and 18.3% uh, of Hispanic origin and 5.9% for Asian so, I mean, think about it. It literally is like a bajillion people. I can't remember the overall U.S. population. <laughs> Hold on. We have 330 million people uh, in 2019. So when we talk about like uh, just talking about my community, the Asian community, 5.9%, that's a lot of people. And please make sure they can use your product with their name. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Not only that, but again, when you think about some of the other groups as well that probably have different, just again, different naming yep. conventions yep. that just aren't being accommodated. It's just surprising. Like that's tens of millions of people who are probably yes. having not the exact same issue, but similar issues. Yes. And I know that we talk about like, oh, making sure your user have better experience. We keep optimizing, optimizing, but then make sure you don't miss these very, very initial steps that you can take. Cause if you're just going to keep optimizing for that one group and one group only, like, no, you can spend your time better, you know, making sure that it works for all people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really, yeah. I like numbers and this is even shocking to me. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it is. And okay. So on the same topic of like just numbers. I want to quote uh, somebody that I learned from uh, during Convey UX in Seattle, uh, a conference I went to, and it actually was very, very interesting. They have a very good dedicated panel to talk about uh, inclusive design. And I really, really thought at the beginning of it, going into it, I'm like, I'm a person of color. I probably know something about it. No, I went in there just like, yeah, 
I learned so much and I really appreciate that when conference, you know, have a dedicated time and space to make everyone listen to this because I think a lot of people, because it's convenient not to have to worry about, <laughs> oh, why do I need to worry about it? Right. And then it's like, no, you, you do. Everyone should. So in, in, uh, her name is Lenora, uh, Porter. I actually talked to her after too. And I, I think she's just wonderful. And in her talk, and she mentions that in, 1991. According to AIGA, the National Graphic Design Association, uh, their membership, um, the, the people self-identify their race, uh, right, in, in their membership application, and 93% of members were white. So only 7% of people of color uh, in their membership. And fast forward to 2016, uh, we're doing a little better. 73% of white designers and 8% Asian, 7% Hispanic, and, and 3% uh, Black, and 2% Native American um, designers. So we're getting better. And I understand not everyone signed up with AIGA, but within that population, it is very, very much like a white dominant uh, population. And within that population, I do know that like some people are aware and also putting things in practice. So I'm not saying like, all white people in that group are not practicing any, you know, uh, I guess being aware of, of the topic that we're talking about today. But, but as you can see, like this is a pretty one-sided population makeup uh, in, in the people who are making, you know, at least within the design discipline, like making decisions for the rest of, you know, whoever comes in contact with their uh, product or print materials or whatever it can be. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. And and I, again, think about it too, is that the small community of designers, it's like, we have a lot of power to make a lot of decisions that will be exposed to millions of people. And I feel like I don't have to say it out loud, but we definitely need more of all different types of people. And um, again, not just by race, but also uh, within the social class and all the other aspects that Kyle talked about. And, and we keep reinforcing the idea like it's not just by skin color too is that we need everyone to be included in the group of like uh product managers product designers and whoever that is making decisions in in the product yeah yep so yeah in that same conference too and this is one talk that i really want to share with you kyle uh this <laughs> is gonna be really fun <laughs> because i i would say that like at first when i heard the top uh the the title of the talk i was like oh this is, you know, punchy, but then it's like, no, it's not because it's true. Uh, the title of the talk is called, uh, why does Siri sound white, uh, by Amber Nicole Hart. And I really enjoyed that talk. It was very honest and very, she went into details of why this is a problem and, and very, uh, it was a very educational talk of why, yeah, this is a problem. So are you ready? We're going to dive into it. Yep. Awesome. So I, uh, the gist of the talk is talking about uh, a lot of the voice interface, uh, including like uh, Alexa or, you know, Siri on your phone, and which is, as you can imagine, everywhere now. And a lot of the natural language uh, processing technology is biased toward what's being called a standard American English. Um, and a lot of the accents or dialects are not processed as efficiently. And she showcased a lot of examples like saying the same sentence, but with different uh, accents, let's say a Chinese accent versus a French accent and versus what it's been called the standard American English accent, like the way that the machine translate that, it's almost like 
shocking of <laughs> like, oh, you cannot understand a person who's speaking English um, just because of the accent. And, and it's uh, very eye opening to see. And also there is technology nowadays to detect uh, discriminatory speech on the Internet, as you can imagine, uh, auto moderating and uh, she she mentioned this this writer uh, named Jessamine uh, West did a research on all these 14 different examples of saying like I am a man I'm a woman I'm queer and all these different you know sentences how does the machine process these and what is the toxicity of each of these sentences and shocking the machine thinks that the sentence I am black queer uh, I can't remember what else was included in that but they're basically hitting all these keywords and deciding that out of all sentences, uh, that is the most uh, likely to be toxic versus the top of the chart, the, the line is, I am a man. And that is the least toxic <laughs> out of all the identifying uh, uh, sentences from just different identity. It was like very bizarre to see. And also understanding that the machines are literally just picking out words without understanding the context. I, I do think that that can get dangerous because I mean, even someone just using that that same uh, example from Jessamine West, it's like, oh, somebody saying what they are, who they are, can literally be more toxic than someone else, someone else's identity. Like that is crazy to me, right? Yeah, you're nodding along, but yeah, what do you think so far? Yeah, I th it's absolutely fascinating. So I haven't had a chance to go listen to this talk, but I'll have to see if I can find it. Listen to like a replay or a recap of it. Yeah. I mean, I have that recording. We can watch it. Okay. But yeah. And then um, just, but the problem of the machine not getting context also affect a lot of the, let's say uh, in her talk, she, you know, uh, specifically talk about uh, the African uh, American community of uh, the language that they use. Um, again, this is, we're talking about 13.4% of the US population here. We're not talking about like 300 people we need to make sure we take care of 300 people. This is a large population and talking about how, uh, again, NLP, natural language, language processors, they cannot uh, identify the context of a sentence. So the way how this person talks literally is considered toxic because of the uh, background that they have. Um, she also mentioned that uh, voice interface is going to grow into an $80 billion business by 2023. So this is a huge industry that is right now very biased towards um, what has been called the standard American English. Also, it's bizarre that it's called standard American English. <laughs> even someone from the South being white versus someone, you know, living in Utah being white, like that's a very different way of talking or even, you know, what is that called? The vocabulary and vernacular, like that whole system is different. So going back to my very original point of like, there's not a typical users, then why do we have like a standard American English when there's not one person speaking standard, you know, one true and the only version of English, right? <laughs> and also like British people also speak English. Is that not standard? Anyways, but it does say it's in American English. Anyways, I can go on and on about how <laughs> but you get the idea. And if you want uh, one fun cultural experience uh, that illustrate this this scene, this, this problem is um, in this movie, have you seen uh, Sorry to Bother You? It came out like no, 10 years ago. I don't think so. I was lucky that I got to see it at Sundance. It was great. Everyone should go see it because it's a lighthearted movie. But it, this scene, uh, 
Amber Nicole Hart also mentioned this scene in, in, from that movie is that the main character works at a call center and you call people. You don't get to decide who you call. And then basically <laughs> the veteran uh, call center agent next to the main character tells him, hey, you, you should talk differently. Talk white. You will sell you will sell a lot more. And then it goes into this, uh, the, the character go, main character goes into this giant, I, I think it was a voiceover. I don't know. Maybe he's just a brilliant actor. I don't know. He immediately changes his tone, accent, everything. And all of a sudden, the person on the phone with him was like, oh, hi, yeah, yeah. Like very much like down to like, you know, yeah, tell me stuff. And it was just so interesting to see because this has been, uh, I'm sure like within the, community like this is something that they talk about like oh what what does it sound like when you say Siri sound white and that scene was like yeah that's one of the tricks that sometimes uh it sounds like a joke but I know that as a person of color there are little tricks and things that we do to kind of make it easier um to get around you know whatever hurdles we 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 have to go around so I highly recommend it. It's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I'll have to go check that one out. That sounds really good. Uh, I think you bring up some really, really great points. And I think it's really important for all of us to take a step back, especially when I think about folks like me, like standard American English person, like taking the mindset that does this really apply and mm -hmm. understanding that it does, that these things are are very real and very important for just really large groups of people. And that if we don't do something about them, that they're going to be increasingly impactful. Kind of like you said, like natural language processing is becoming, you know, just a huge, huge thing, especially as voice assistants become increasingly popular, increasingly utilized. Yep. Like that's, again, it can be hard for, for a lot of us that, you know, you know, maybe it doesn't impact me because I'm, you know, I'm the target user and, and things work fine for me. But if I don't say something, if I don't yep. add my voice to yep. the idea that, hey, you know, this isn't right, we need to be thinking more about this, then, you know, maybe things don't change. And so that's why we have to just be more proactive about inclusivity and saying that this is great that it works great for a large group of people mm -hmm. but it can't just work for standard american english as as we call it like it's got right. to like it can't exclude other people that you know maybe don't yeah. talk the same way or you know don't have the same right. accent or you know who use uh different terms or different things like that like yeah that's just that's not acceptable for for us to be like okay you know it's fine for any like period of time like we have to just be more inclusive in everything that we're doing and you know we use the example of voice assistance and natural language processing but this kind of extends through all of technology and through mm -hmm. all of if we kind of take a higher level view this is systemic and you know we talked about the names on credit cards and we yep. talked about you know we talked about the natural language processing but like these are real problems across so many things so if you if we take the same logic and just step back and say where else are there problems they are everywhere
And we need to be far more proactive in understanding that this is what so many people are upset about right now is that this so many of our systems are designed for the majority and that excludes a very very large minority of people who maybe don't have the same accent or who don't spell their names the same way or whose faces are darker and so like their facial recognition technology doesn't work the same and so like these these things are real problems that we we need to be designing and taking into account like it's just it's not right that you know we're not thinking about those things more and being more inclusive in our design and our our development yeah i love i love everything you have mentioned especially the facial recognition being more and more prominent in our you know like now it's on phone who knows what (laughs) what's next right this is such an important topic that i'm so glad that we can have a you know conversation here but this is something that i think in my i guess day to day to whenever i have a chance like i do talk about it but at the same time within a company like within you know a product team what can we do which i think we can totally probably i I need to do more homework of what amazon's doing what apple is doing because i mean i definitely know they have you know things like voice interface and i know they have implemented different measures to make sure there is a diversity within the workforce and which to that too i do think it's important to have you know going back to your your point of making sure your team is not just purely one type of people like education and background uh, regional differences like the more variety of experience we can get together the better the outcome can be right as far as like inclusive inclusive design goes and um this cannot be like a one-time oh, we're going to have an inclusive uh, inclusivity training today and just talk about it today. And um, this makes me think of like the back in the, I don't know, I wasn't born, but 80s, right? People have <laughs> sensitivity training, right? I mean, we still have that now, but oftentimes it's not an ongoing effort and we need to do better when it comes to designing products because, and we're making decisions every day. Like I probably and on any given day you probably make like good 20 30 40 decisions that you don't even count as you know an active decisions that will affect how your users use your product if we're just going to do okay we're going to talk about inclus- inclusivity this one time one hour or even do a week-long training that's going to wear off that is go- not going to help you but using that name example to like being, you know, in, in proximity to my Thai friend, seeing that is a problem for her, like helps me to have that knowledge. Right. And, um, I'm always grateful. Like someone on the team's like, Oh, what about this? And it's, yeah, there are things that I don't even think of. It's <laughs> something that I'm always grateful for when, when, when people call out the blind spots and stuff, but yeah, I think we should do an episode on, on just on your team. Like what can we do to make sure this is an effort that is actionable for, for everybody, I think it would be interesting. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I think we've got, we've, we've kind of touched on a whole bunch of different points. And I think we've basically got at least five or six other episodes in here <laughs> yep. of deep dives. You know, how can you, how can we be thinking about being more inclusive as far as like racial and cultural and other things? How can we be more inclusive 
uh, educationally and accessibility, regional, socioeconomic. What what are some of the things on our teams we can do, like you were mentioning? I think that there's a whole bunch of different topics that this yeah. is going to be hopefully an ongoing conversation that I'm excited about because I think it. it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end, I just... Yeah, I want to say like kind of back to when we talked about product discovery. And I think that would be the stage where you find out like, really, who do we want to serve and how do we want to serve them? Right. So, yeah, I think this has been a very good conversation. And thank you for sharing, you know, your thoughts on this. And I I feel like, um, again, for us, this is I shouldn't speak for you. I should speak for myself. But <laughs> I, I, I really feel like I don't know enough um, and I am. Looking forward to like learning more as we explore this topic more and how it, I'm just excited to see how it will change how I approach my day-to-day work too. So how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm excited too. I think it's so important. You know, I, I feel like I've got some good stories to tell and hopefully some good things to share. And like you said, a ton to learn and I'm excited to continue to learn and share and hopefully continue to help others learn and share and add other people's voices to the conversation across all across the continuum. Because I think that we're all at different stages of understanding right now. And as we can all continue to move along this continuum of understanding, I think we'll all be better off. And so helping each of us, you know, wherever we're at, start there and move along. I think it's going to be really, really important. And I, th- I think we'll all get to a better place. Really, uh, I-, I think it's going to be a group effort. And, you know, we we all need to be, we're all in it together. Like this isn't any one group against another, but for us to make real change. And I, I do think like we need to make real change uh, in our communities, in our country, in our world to do that it's going to be something that we all have to do and we all have to take part in when are you running for mayor that was a great platform <laughs> like never that was great. That was never great. Uh, <laughs> i i ran for political office in junior high i, I don't even know if you can oh, wait, call it political office high. yeah well ran for like ju- what what is it like uh student, junior student government yeah student got a government office oh um, <laughs> kyle that was so different than what i was thinking so and and just got so scarred by the process that i'll never run for for uh political office again swore i swore I it off at that point and refu- will refuse to run for political office again i see the student politics got yes the student heavy. yes the I ran such a, a great campaign and just, it was, I don't know. I, I despise it now. So swore it off. Never again. Never again. That's so funny. I actually, I, I, I was definitely not running, but uh, every year when there's like some government election and stuff, somehow I was always some party's designer, uh, volunteer <laughs> designer. And I always see all the bits and pieces of how, man, painful. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely tears, definitely a lot of laughs, but I think more tears than laughs, uh, from what I witnessed and, and me as a designer kind of on the sideline, just like, yeah, I will do your, you know, posters and, and patches and stuff, but you, you go out there, you, you do that. And that's (laughs) good luck. And that's as far as I would go. (laughs) And it was very, very intense, but you were in it. 
Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know. Yep. I don't blame you though for saying you would never do it. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. But that was that was a great conclusion at the end. I do support <laughs> that message. You know what? Now that I think about it, is that I I do stand strong behind the idea that not only uh, leaders in society, leaders in whatever should have, you know, the right idea of how to be a human, uh, but all people should already have that idea. Uh, we should not only look to the leader and be like, oh yeah, he or she is the only one that needs to know about this, right? So yay for the right idea in the civilian pool, I guess. Yep. Very important. Yep. Because we also get to decide who becomes a leader. It's true. <laughs> in many ways so yeah yeah i i'm glad to hear that you once were out there fighting <laughs> for a cause yeah. i mean for the student government yes well whatever good cause that was, was i was out there and <laughs> what was your platform you is, is there really a platform in, in junior <laughs> high other than vote for me oh that's right yeah junior high that's right there's there's no platform but it's and it's not even so much like the the leading, like being the leader or being the person elected to the office. It's the like going through the campaign. Like I would never oh boy. I look at that and look at people having to go through all of those types of things. And I'm just like, no, I would never, ever want to have to go through something like that at a local or any sort of level. It just seems like the I don't know having Not to go through yeah the election process too yeah yeah too much too dirty all of that stuff that is so interesting that uh experience in junior high <laughs> ruined you forever yes about this yeah it must have been very bad and also scares me a little because i'm like man do i want to have kids in, in the states because high school sounds rough and now you're talking about being scarred forever you know from junior high like which i thought should be fun right no junior high no junior high is terrible high, okay, high school's mind. great uh in my opinion but junior high absolute i don't, I don't know if anybody else has experience out there but like elementary school is great because you're just you're a kid junior high is like those awkward years where you you're just trying to figure out like who you are and everybody's doing the same thing and so like everybody's in like this awkward stage oh, and you're yeah. all in school together and it's just this awful awful <laughs> time and then you finally kind of get out of that and you're and finally when you're in high school like things are good again and, and you're you know you've kind of figured <laughs> out more who you are and you're like old enough to do fun things and and all of that yeah. and you're doing sports in school and yeah you've got some money and like that's when i don't know at least for me like that's when things were fun so fun again junior high absolutely terrible the fact that the only scarring was just like that campaign stuff there's probably more i don't know if we want to go into like <laughs> therapy session but that that's, that one stands out if that was really one of the only things yeah. like that's that's probably really good wow yeah, I can't say I have anything that compares to that. I mean, I was still in Hong Kong during during like high school years and pretty boring. And because <laughs> I mean, what else can you be doing when you have to do a lot of calculus and <laughs> failing at calculus? 
yeah, that was that was one boring period of my life. I mean, I went through all the very what I thought was traumatic experience as a teenage person, but <laughs> thing that you just mentioned without the student government part. But I don't know. They really keep you busy in 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 school in Hong Kong. So <laughs> I would say I went to a pretty good school that they really do want you to learn stuff uh, that you will never use. Again, calculus. <laughs> but I am proud to say that when I went to college, that was not a problem. Like math was not a problem. So much to a point that I did not study for my, what is that? Math 1050 algebra or something like that. Aced it without studying. And it back in Hong Kong, I actually was advised <laughs> uh, to drop that class. <laughs> so <laughs> I had never been asked to drop anything in my life except for that one class. But Calculus is not for everybody. And there was 42 people in a class. I still remember <laughs> that whole class because I was one of the two people that got asked, oh, you should drop it because you're going to fail really hard. Yeah, that was very traumatic. But at the same time, I did not care about calculus. And now I don't have to use calculus ever. I still like doing formulas and spreadsheets. But yeah. yeah, that's I did calculus in high school as well. And I guess it's one of those good things that you can kind of go back on when you need it. But I just, I haven't ever found on a ton of use for it. I guess all of our calculus teachers, when they go back and listen to this, will cringe a little <laughs> bit. I'm sorry. We're all, in product now. All so. calculus teachers. It was the teaching on how to think, right? That was the important yes. part. The yes. the stretching of the mind and the, the pushing <laughs> of to learn to and to an think idea. that, okay. yeah, that was the important part, not necessarily the, the of learning the of the, the actual yeah. calculus. So I, I agree with that. And yeah, I had to use a lot I, of, when I was in finance. So we, I mean, that that's kind of the basis of a lot of finances, taking a lot of derivatives and things like that. So uh, that word just, <laughs> it's like a little stinger in my heart of like, uh, yeah. I cannot. But algebra, super helpful. Trigonometry, not so much. Calculus, useless. That's how <laughs> I see it. Um, anyways, uh, any product shout out this week? Yes. So shout out zone here. Quick shout out to soft serve ice cream. Oh, my goodness. Which will which will lead into my shout out for next time. But I will save that because it's going to be really good. The invention of soft serve ice cream in... It's kind of disputed either in 1934 or 1938 between Tom Carville and the McCullough's, I think is how you might pronounce it. So Carville had his ice cream truck break down. <laughs> so his ice cream melted, which kind of inspired soft serve because he was just like, well, I can't, I'm not just going to like not sell it. So um, then he opened a store selling this soft serve, but uh the McCulloughs, uh, they were actually experimenting with a lower fat version of ice cream <laughs> to try and like create more of a soft serve. And um, they partnered with a person named Sherb Noble. And this was the forerunner of Dairy Queen. So more to come on that. But anyway, wow. shout out to your soft serve ice cream as we head into the hot summer months but that was kind of the the origins of that where they were i don't know i'd probably credit it to 
to them. They were really experimenting and obviously like Dairy Queen soft serve ice cream is just awesome. Wow. What a story. Yeah. And soft serve while fighting off, what are those, killer bees, killer wasps outside and the pandemic and possible another pandemic brought by mosquitoes. I guess as long as you have that ice cream, you're good. My husband loves soft serve, so I can get on board with that. Yeah. I guess my shout out is not food related. Um, <laughs> but I, this is kind of an anti shout out. I feel like I always have some gripes against some <laughs> products <laughs> at different times. I'm uh, safely like transitioning into the grumpy old lady phase very quickly. I just want to say corded headphones are so much better than wireless. The reliability is there with Bluetooth. You never, never know when it connects. And I guess I am trying to call on my AirPods for, for that. And disclaimer is that I use my AirPods with my Google Pixel and Android phone, which a lot of people will tell me blasphemy. This is not right. But uh, yeah, if you... I guess on the topic of inclusion too, is like, do you want to exclude all people with Android phone to use AirPods? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. With When it comes to Apple, it's almost like a religion. Yes. <laughs> so maybe they don't want me to be using it. Yeah, I think Apple does. So when it comes to like exclude people, like that, I feel oh, like Apple is, is, is. Yeah, they're like, if you're not all, if you're not fully bought in, then like you're oh, out. My. If you are looking for some really good non-AirPod, I'm a huge fan of Jabra and I use their 75T earbuds. Huge fan. I was using the 65T and after about two years, they they bit the dust, but they actually replaced them for me. So they sent me new ones. Yeah. What? But while, yeah, for free. So I was like, hey, these aren't working anymore. And they're like, all right, send them back. We'll send you new ones. So while I was waiting, I was like, well, I can't just wait. So I bought the new, like the upgraded version and they're, they're so good. Like I just absolutely love them. Those are my Bluetooth earbuds. And so now I have both, which is probably overkill, but this, the 75 T just, oh man, they're so great. <laughs> uh, I think your shout out, uh, kind of, kind of canceled out my, my, my <laughs> product, right? Oh, product, right. That's what it was. It wasn't a shout out. I didn't give a shout out. I, I gave a gripe. Complaint. Oh, Gripes and shout outs. That's what perfect. Okay. I think we've, there we go. We have so many new segments every time we do an episode. Anyways, but you know what, Kyle, cut out all the calculus and high school <laughs> junior high talk. This, this is much, much more on theme. So, so yeah, that, that's it. Anything you want to add? I think that's good. This is the episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yan Chow Chow. See you next time.